I don't fully understand my relationship yet. I wonder if that's how the disciples felt when they saw Jesus on the cross. I wonder how much expectation just got ripped out of their heart. Thinking for the last three years, we've been following this guy around. We've been seeing him do miracles. We've been seeing him do all this amazing stuff. Why is he on the cross now? And they sit there and they watch Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body off the cross and go into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea's family and lay Jesus in there. And the followers of Jesus are doing exactly probably what we would expect them to do. They weren't expecting Jesus to come back to life because dead people, they stay dead. And those that were closest to Jesus understood something. All of our hope is gone in this moment because nobody expected no body. They thought when they went back to the tomb, his body would be there. In fact, we're told that this group of ladies, they went and actually bought some things to go to the tomb to actually properly give Jesus the right Jewish burial. Mark Wright records this in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. He says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Why were they having to buy spices? Because in the moment, obviously, they didn't have spices. Why don't they have spices? Because they thought when they went to bed Thursday night, everything was fine. But when they wake up a Friday morning, uh-oh, Jesus has been arrested, and now he's on trial for crucifixion. And so they go out into the marketplace and buy spices to properly give Jesus the burial, to embalm his body. And in that moment, they're heartbroken and shocked. Just overnight, their entire world changes. We went to bed and he was fine, but now he's dead. And it says they were on their way to embalm the body. And verse two, it says this, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Why are they asking this question? Because dead people stay dead. They expected to get to the tomb and have the stone still there. But it says, when they looked up and they got there and they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Luke tells us that then the ladies actually go to the tomb and they peer inside and look and realize that Jesus, his body's gone. They were not expecting that. They have the spices. They're ready to give Jesus the proper burial. Because deceased people don't come back to life. And all of a sudden in the midst of knowing that, oh my goodness, there's the body's gone, they rush into the city of Jerusalem and they gotta tell the disciples, those 12 guys that are closest to Jesus, what they saw. And here's what the lady said to the 12 guys, 11 guys, because one, yep, Judas betrayed him. It says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where, what's this word? We don't know where they put him. Their 
they're confused. And the most disturbing thing to these ladies is we don't know who they are. Someone took Jesus and we're freaking out. We don't know where they put him. What is still not crossing their minds? Jesus is alive and he's resurrected. They're sitting there going, where is Jesus? And here's John records this in John chapter 24. John records the disciples' response. The, the disciples are up in the upper room. By the way, they're locked in a room. Why? Because they are scared out of their minds. They're scared because they just saw their rabbi, their Messiah, their savior crucified. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders are gonna do the same thing to them. So they're in an upper room locked away and here's their response to these words that the ladies run in the room saying, but they, referring to the disciples, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like what, friends? Nonsense. Nonsense. Nah. Dead people don't come back to life. There's no way that Jesus' body's not there. No, we don't believe it. And in fact, Luke records a little later, Peter, he got up. They need to know what is going on. Peter gets up and he runs to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away. What's this word? What happened? What happened? I may not. The words from these women seem like nonsense. There's no body. We don't know who they are. Someone took the body. What is going on? And Peter, the oldest of all the 12 disciples, Peter is the leader of the disciples. He goes away wondering what is going on. Notice what he's not running away with. He's alive. No, he's wondering, he's walking away with questions and doubts. And you got to know this. That the guys that are closest to Jesus, if you were going to start a movement of Jesus in the church, wouldn't you sit back and write a letter and record how great your faith is? You would make yourself out to be pretty good. I'm not going to show my weakness, right? I'm not going to share my doubts. I want to shout from the mountaintop that my faith was so strong and Jesus is alive. But you got to understand, they documented their own disbelief. The, those that were closest to Jesus for three years said, you know what? We didn't believe this resurrection thing could actually happen. And if you're in here this morning and you're doubting and you're questioning your faith, you're in good company. Because those closest to Jesus did the same thing. Can you imagine that? Seeing Jesus raise his best friend, Lazarus, from the dead. And now here you are saying, mm, I don't know. I realize his body's gone, but I got questions. You know, God is big enough to handle your doubt and questions. Keep doubting. I think doubt, the opposite of, of uh, faith is actually unbelief. It's not doubt. So keep doubting. You're not alone this morning. And then it says this, that something is going to happen that's radically going to change the disciples' lives as they realize, uh-oh, the tomb's empty. They don't know what to do. 
It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they are scared. They were startled. Jesus appears. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw. What did they think they saw? Notice this says they didn't think they saw Jesus. Why? Because in their mind, Jesus is dead. But instead, ah, there's a ghost. Right? Remember, right? You put yourself in the story. That's, that's freaky. Right? You've locked the doors. You remember being a kid and you're like locking all the doors, think there's the boogeyman somewhere or whatever. Then all of a sudden, someone appears in your room. Ah! Right? A little startled. A little frightened. And Jesus appears. I love this portion. They do not think it's Jesus. They think it's a ghost. They think there's no way Jesus is alive. We're still scared. We're locked in the room, in the upper room in downtown Jerusalem. We're frightened out of our minds. And then Jesus is going to have a conversation with them. He said to them, Jesus saying, why are you what, friends? Why are you troubled? And why do you, why do what? Doubts rise in your mind. I love in this moment what Jesus is affirming. He's affirming their trouble and doubts. He understands where they are. He's sitting there going, I understand. Why are you troubled? Why are doubts in your mind? What does he, doesn't, what does he not do in this moment? I'm going to spank you guys for not believing in me. No, he doesn't say that. He sincerely just questions, I understand you're troubled. And that you've got doubts. And then Jesus is going to explain some things, why he's back alive. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. In other words, remember our entire Bible was pointing to me. I had to do this. And these disciples, as young men, they would have memorized the entire law of the Moses and most of the Psalms. They know their Bible like the back of their hand. They knew it inside and out. And Jesus says, you knew this. I had to come and fulfill everything that's right there. You knew that. Remember, I was with you for three years. I kept telling you, I didn't come to squash all this. I came to fulfill. I am the fulfillment of what it looks like to be God here on earth. And then he says this, the Messiah, remember what our Bible says, our Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, right where they are in that upper room, locked and scared out of their minds. And Jesus is reminding them, I'm back. Remember, I had to do this to forgive of the sins so you can be made right with your heavenly father. And then he's going to say these seven immense rich words, five words, seven, six, seven words that are just incredible, that would revolutionize the disciples. It revolutionized an entire Jesus movement. He says these words to those guys in the upper room. He says, you are, what's this word? You are witnesses of these things. And indeed they were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. These guys would start the entire movement of the church. These guys, Matthew, 
who wrote the letter Matthew in the Newer Testament in our Bibles, in God's word. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was ostracized by society. You would have hated him. Why? He robbed you of your taxes. He was like the IRS on steroids. You hated this guy. And Matthew, Jesus came along one day and said, hey, Matthew, leave that all behind. Come and follow me. Matthew left it all behind, and then Matthew invites him to his house, and Matthew's got all the other IRS steroid people with him, all those other tax collectors, and who gets mad? The religious people say, why is your, why is your rabbi, why is your teacher eating with such people? And Jesus reminds him, listen, remember what I came? I came to seek and save those who are far from Jesus. It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And Matthew writes his letter for you today. Just says, yeah, here's the entire story of Jesus, and I was an eyewitness of his resurrection, and I'm going to tell you about it because it changes lives. Mark, Mark kind of hung out with this guy, Peter, and heard all the stories from Peter and writes a letter and says, I believe in the resurrected Jesus. Luke was a doctor who went around and thoroughly investigated from eyewitnesses the story, and Luke writes his letter and says, I thoroughly believe in a resurrected Jesus, that this Jesus changed changes everything. John, you've got his letter. John, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, the youngest of all the disciples, probably very much like Jesus's maybe little brother, the way he treated him. John writes and says, hey, Jesus is the Messiah and I saw him alive and he's going to go and risk his life and write a letter for you and I. Peter, the oldest of all the disciples denied Jesus three times. Right before Jesus is on trial, right before he's flogged and beaten, Peter says, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. And then he goes and records a couple books that we have in the Newer Testament. And he says, yes, Jesus is alive. I got to tell you, he changes everything. Peter would eventually be persecuted in Rome for his faith. But it was worth it. James, the half-brother of Jesus, what would it take for your little brother to tell you he was actually the son of God? I often wonder if they played kickball together, right? And Jesus would just be laughing at James. This is in my mind, of course. Like James, man, you got a weak leg. You wait, oh, man, I can't wait to show you how big my leg is. I will crush this ball, right? James, who was an early church father that helped start the Jesus movement after Jesus ascends back into heaven. James sits there and tells you, hey, yes, I believe my half-brother is the son of God. And I was an eyewitness to his resurrection. And Paul, Paul, this guy was known as Saul. This is a guy you feared in your life. Paul was a guy that sat there, and if you follow Jesus, he did everything in his life in effort to squash this Jesus movement. He would have, would have voted for you to be tortured and persecuted and killed. He hated Jesus, and he called the followers the way. He hated those people. God got a hold of him and changed his name from Saul to Paul. Paul writes two-thirds of your Newer Testament and goes around and was the greatest first century missionary and church planner in the entire world that we have. And Paul says, I believe 
And I'm an eyewitness to this Jesus. I had an encounter to this person. And I got to go tell the entire world of who Jesus is. These guys risked their life for you. In order for you to have a Bible and hear the message of God. And we have to understand that the foundation of the Christian faith is an event with profound implications. Implications for your life. Implications for your hope. And implications for your future. And your marriage. And for your kids and for your grandkids. Implications that will radically change your life for all eternity. It's this event that we celebrate known as Easter. Resurrection. And in fact, Peter, the guy who sat and stood there by a fire in the palace place and denied Jesus three times, this is what he writes in his letter in 1 Peter 1.3. He says this, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a what, friends? A living hope. Peter reminds, yes, I'm the guy that denied Jesus. Yes, I was the leader of the 12 disciples. Yes, when Jesus died, I doubted. But then Jesus comes and Paul says, listen, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, you can have new birth and living hope. That you can be changed today. And this morning, whether you bring in a lot of baggage, a lot of pain, a lot of shame or guilt in your life, whether you feel like you're not lovable, you need to know that we know that God is for us. Why? Because Jesus died for us. That when Jesus was on that cross, you were on his heart. That Jesus stood in your place. And Jesus cries out in his last voice, it is finished. And he goes in the tomb and everyone that followed that guy doubted him in that moment. But then they saw a resurrected Jesus and said, Jesus changes everything. And you have to know here this morning that God loves you, Jesus died for you, and whatever baggage, whatever trouble you bring in here this morning, you can have new birth into living hope in Jesus' name. That there is forgiveness and hope is made available to you because you are loved by your heavenly Father. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are loved. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're even more loved. Well, not really. They're not more loved. They're the same loved. The crazy thing is, is that we've got the greatest message. This is what I love about next week when we get into culture shock. Our culture is shifting all the time on issues and things. Our culture is hurting. And we've got the greatest news to bring them new life. There are people in your life right now that are walking at work in your neighborhood and in your school, sitting here going, I cannot be forgiven. You have no idea what I did. There are people in your life that are walking around aimlessly and hopelessly. 
wondering what is the purpose of this life? And there are people walking around that says there is no way a God can love me. But the empty tomb is evidence of that. This morning, you can be forgiven. This morning, you can have hope. Why? Because you're loved by God. Let's close our eyes this morning. I know for many of us, this morning we may come into a space like this and we, we feel good about ourselves. We feel that we're made right with God and everything is going up and to the right and life is good and we're just here to worship and it's a great reminder that God loves me and I'm forgiven and I have hope every single morning I wake up. But the reality is there are others of us who feel like we've done so much wrong and we're hurting. And you need to know, you need to know this morning that God is for you because he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And that hope and forgiveness is made available right in this moment to you. With all your baggage, with everything you bring into this space this morning, God's saying, come to me. I'll take care of it. Just come to me. So I want to lead those of us in a prayer if you've never just surrendered your life to God and asked for forgiveness and hope in your life, will you just say these words quietly in your heart? Just say, Heavenly Father, I've done my own thing. And I'm lost without you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, was buried, and conquered death for me three days later. This morning, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I put my faith and trust into you this morning, God. Thank you for new birth and thank you for hope. With all eyes still closed, if that was you this morning, at Radiant Life, we always talk about an outward expression of an inward change. And you have to know that the Bible, God's word tells us that there's a party in heaven right now for you. There are angels rejoicing because of your decision to follow Jesus, to make, get made right with your creator, your heavenly father. So I'm going to ask you, I'm just on the count of three, to shoot your hand up and shoot it back down. I'm not going to make you do a crazy dance or come up front or do anything like that. You can stay where you're seated. But there's something inside when you sit there and raise your hand and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've got forgiveness and I'm made new this morning. There is something incredible that happens inside of you. So on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to throw your hand up and throw it back down. On the count of three, one, your heavenly father loves you so much. Two, you are adored and cherished son and daughter of your creator. Three, if that was you this morning, shoot your hand up and shoot it down. Yes, I see hands all over. Amen. Anyone else this morning? Church, let's give Jesus a hand. Come on, church. Anyone else? Amen. 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 Let's pray all together. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You have made people new this morning, lives surrendered to you. 
It is incredible to know that this event is the Super Bowl of our faith. That this, is the, this event is the thing that launched the church was because the tomb was empty. And God have a great party in heaven. We ask this in all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, we're going to celebrate baptisms here in a moment. But before we do that, we have a special video for you. Hi, my name is Christine, and this is my story. Um, I grew up in Catholic church. And I went to Catholic school. It just was a part of what I did. I went to church because it was what we did, but it wasn't really a part of who I was. I wasn't able to see God in my life. I knew he, who God was, and that foundation of, of knowing God and knowing Jesus as his son has always been there for me. But I, what I didn't do is really understand that Jesus was my Lord and Savior. Through youth group, I made some great friends and, um, and was saved and, and found uh, Jesus in my life. But like all teenagers, I kind of went a different path and had different things happen to me in my life. And I became a mom and was married uh, very young. I wish I could say that church was a big part of our family um, right from the beginning. We, you know, we... We came to church at Sturgis Wesleyan, it's where I was married, but um, it, it wasn't the foundation of who we were. It was, a, again, another exercise of this is what you do when you're married and have a family, you come to church, but we weren't all in. The reason that I came back to Radiant Life Church uh, was later in my life, um, just a few years ago during my divorce. That was me taking a step back and reaching out to people who had faith because I needed to feel strong. Did I believe that God had me? I knew he did, but and I knew he didn't wouldn't cause me harm, but I also knew that um, I had to believe it. And all of a sudden, uh, people who I've talked to for years, they were telling me about their faith and their stories. People who were strangers um, sharing with me Bible verses or or different anecdotes or different experiences when God showed up in their life. And for me, all of these people in this community of, of some strangers, some acquaintances, some very close friends pulled together and were God in my life. I still reflect on it now and get choked up when I see God putting all these pieces and interweaving us together in a way that's just so, it's so intricate and perfect that I can't even explain it. And uh, one of these people is uh, Sandy Watson, and I knew she was coming to church, so I asked her if I could come with her one day. And she said, of course. And so we showed up, and it happened to be a service. It wasn't a normal service. It was a series called Real Stories, Real People, Getting Naked. And then Pastor Ryan stood up. He said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians 12, colon nine. And I just lost it. And I'm sure I scared Sandy because I was going, it's my password, it's my password. I had moved into my apartment the night before and it was my first night alone anyway. And I had to create my Wi-Fi password. And the week before, a friend of mine had sent me a message and she said, I'm thinking of you when I hear this, you need to know this Bible verse. And it was 2 Corinthians 12, nine. And so I made that my Wi-Fi password so that I wouldn't forget what it was. And so to see it there, on the screen, it was really the first moment in a series of many moments since then in my life here at Radiant Life Church that I said, okay, God, I see you. 
and I'm continuing to grow and I'm very excited to see you know what he has in store for me next I still don't know and I'm okay with it because even when things aren't good I know that I'm good and I'm good because I'm with God my name is Christine and I have decided come on up Christine Anne Marie and Lucas you'll be up next you know, one of the things that we celebrate baptism is that Jesus sets that example for us in Scripture. We see Jesus go down to the Jordan River and get baptized by John the Baptist. And uh, Jesus' one of his last parting words to his disciples was to go into all nations, preaching the good news, the life of Jesus, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I often say this is a symbol just like when you get married and you wear that wedding ring. And you put it on your ring, it's a, or finger, it's a constant reminder that you're married. This is a reminder that says, I'm going public in my faith, that I follow Jesus. And it's a symbol of his death and resurrection. Thanks for your video and your testimony. That was awesome. Christine, have you put your faith and trust in that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. You have. And it's that declaration of your faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anytime during these baptisms, family and friends, you are more than welcome to come up. Uh, I just want to say that once and because I'll forget the rest of the baptisms, so I'll say that now. So, Anne Marie? And Lucas, you'll be up next. put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I have. You have. And that's uh, that declaration of your faith in him. And I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is Lucas? There he is. There's Lucas. You got anything in your pockets, Super Luke? Nothing. Okay, all right. Thanks for not cannonball in here for me, too. <laughs> still got time, Lucas. You still got time. No, he needs to get you. wet. <laughs> Lucas, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, you have. You even said yes before I could ask you the question, which is great. Lucas, it's that declaration of faith in Jesus. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Scott. Good job, Lucas. Scott's coming up, and then uh, Caitlin. Or Caitlin, I'm sorry. Now, Scott reminded me before service started that he's a Spartan fan. 
Just know I can hold you underwater longer. Scott, you're going to want to move as far forward as possible. Yeah. Scott, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. You have. And it's that smile of declaration of faith in Him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was nice to you. I didn't hold you under too long either. All right, Kaylin. Is Kaylin here? Here she comes. I think a blue marker would be better for you. Kayla, it is warm, isn't it? Scoot as far that way. It is like a hot tub in there. Kaylin, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You have. And it's that declaration of your faith in Him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Gabby. I now have the privilege of being able to baptize my entire family, which is awesome. You ready, sweetie? up a little more. There you go. You're good. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> Gabby, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And um, I love you. <laughs> it's that declaration of faith in him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here at Radiant Life, one thing that we love to do is open it up to spontaneous, just open baptism. In case the Spirit was moving on your heart at any moment in the service. And I understand maybe you weren't signed up, you weren't ready. But let me tell you, we have a t-shirt for you. We've got towels for you. We've got, I don't know if any robes are left, but we got a robe for you to come. So if this is your time this morning. I got you. Um, anyone else that now's your time that God is just moving on your heart? Devin? 
Nothing in your pockets. Okay, you're good. I could hold you underwater longer too. Scoot all the way towards the end, Kevin. Kevin, have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. You have. It's that, that firm declaration of faith in Him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Already. Anything in your pockets? Negative. All right, we're good. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's got a butt slap before they came in baptized before. You're, you're the first. Have you put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Fully. Fully. I love, don't you love that? Fully. Fully. It's that declaration of faith in Him. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is there anyone else this morning? Anyone else? nine first service that's eight this service we have 10 or 11 next service it's awesome friends it's awesome Amen. well I know for some of you you still may feel like I should have or whatever maybe your heart I understand your heart's probably um, I get that uh, just to let you know, if you attend Radiant Life this summer, like we did last year, we did a big family get-together out at Cade Lake and grilled and did games and baptism. That's your next opportunity. It's this summer, and we'll let you know what happens next with that. But this summer, get baptized then. It's an incredible experience. So, hey, can we give Jesus one more big hand of applause for what he did this morning? Amen. Well, at this time, ushers, you can come forward, and this is a great time for the connection cards, that handout that you got when you came in here this morning. You can rip that off and drop it off in the basket. If you're a first-time guest with us, thanks for choosing Radiant Life, and my name's Ryan. I'm the lead pastor. Hold on to yours. We'd encourage you to fill it out, hold on to it, and then you can take it to Guest Central right outside the lobbies. We got a gift bag for you just to say, hey, thanks for worshiping with us. It's also a great time to drop those questions. You are driving that entire teaching series in September. You say, well, I'm gonna forget about my question by then, I'm gonna forget. I need a lot of time in order to answer your questions the right way, okay? 
So that's why we're gonna do it as our fall series. So ask those questions and put those in the basket as well. And that's gonna be an awesome series come uh, September. But I wanna thank you guys. And now's the time that we're gonna receive our offering. And it's another way to worship God this morning. And I'm gonna ask, as soon as I'm done praying, as the baskets go by, uh, will you stand? And we're gonna close and worship with one more song this morning. But let's all pray together. Father God, may your kingdom grow. Bless both the gift and the giver this morning. May it radically change this community and the surrounding communities for you. And God, we just wanna come bowing before you, worshiping you, just saying thank you. Thank you that the tomb's empty. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that we can have forgiveness. Thank you that we can have life and life to the full. Thank you for giving us hope when we're hopeless. And thank you for picking us back up time and time and time again. Thank you for your grace.